Hello and welcome in to another episode of Locked on Wolves. This is the post-game podcast. The Timberwolves fell to the Phoenix Suns on Tuesday by nine in a game that was actually probably one of the Wolves' most competitive all-around games of the season so far, but there were certainly issues. We'll talk about the offensive issues early, the defensive issues late, some of the interesting rotation tweaks that Chris Finch made, plus individual studs and duds. We'll break it all down on the show here today. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Hump Day. And uh, this is the post game podcast. The Timberwolves lost the Suns Tuesday night. We're going to break it all down on the show here today. A big thank you, first of all, for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Um, it also includes the brand new Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can download it and uh, you'll get more great local sports coverage 24-7. It's, of course, absolutely free. All Lockdown Sports Minnesota podcasts can be watched on that Roku or Amazon Fire TV app. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and then also my account, which is at Beacon, and that's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, so the Wolves lost this one by nine. It was a nationally televised game on TNT. Um, and I, I actually, like, I want to start here. I, I think the Wolves actually generally played well. They they played, you could argue, one of their, maybe even their their most complete games. My You know, not including the second game against the Spurs, which was after the embarrassment of Monday. You know, you could argue that second game against the Spurs was maybe, you know, they obviously won that game and won fairly comfortably. But this game, given the competition, given everything else, the Wolves were in this thing, you know, with, with what, three, four minutes to play and played well against a good team on the road. And they played hard throughout. There wasn't, even in that win against the Spurs a week ago, there was kind of this, I think it was the third quarter malaise where it's just like, ah, you know, uh, we should win this game. We'll be fine. And then all of a sudden it's a close game again. The Wolves played hard basically for 48 minutes in this game. And I said this on the the live postcast that I did following the game. Yeah, it's sad that that's kind of where we're at, that like that that's what we're applauding. But I mean, it's a step in the right direction. It's still only game number eight. And I mean, we have, let's face it, much bigger issues if the Wolves couldn't get up for this game, right? Road game against Phoenix, 64 win team last year, national TV, uh, you know, no DeAndre Ayton, but of course, Chris Paul and Devin Booker and everybody else with the Suns. Um, so I thought the Wolves played hard, and I think it was some combination of like national TV game, uh, good competition, you know, like uh, a rising tide raises all chips or whatever that phrase is. You know what I mean? Um, like what one guy is going to play hard, and so the next guy is going to play hard, and it's kind of a domino effect where everybody's like, "Hey, we we want to, you know, we're going to play up to the competition, just like we played down to the competition against the Oklahoma Cities and San Antonios and and." Uh, I mean, I guess Utah's, although not really based on their record uh, of the world. Um, so I, I was impressed with the effort. I thought that was good. Early in the game, they were just missing shots. And I said on Sunday when the Wolves only made four threes against the Spurs and shot 14% on three-pointers, 
that wasn't the main issue. That was not why they lost against the Spurs. It was one of the issues. That was the main issue, at least in the first quarter. You could argue first half of this game was the Wolves were generating open threes, open jumpers for the most part. They just weren't making them. Carl Anthony Towns missed open jumpers. Jade McDaniels missed open jumpers. Torian Prince missed open jumpers, which we haven't seen much of yet this year. D'Angelo Russell. Um, they were just missing shots. And defensively, they were competing. Offensively, I thought the offense, for the most part, was flowing well. The first quarter was all about Carl Anthony Towns. He had three assists and probably should have had a couple of more. Um, and the Wolves were actually running their offense through Towns. And he was appropriately aggressive, both with his passing and his shot selection. He wasn't making shots either. He started the game one of seven in the first half. But the first quarter offensive execution was was fine. It was it was fine. It was better than a lot of what we've seen lately or seen to this point in the season by the by the starters. Um, and the defense was really good. The Wolves, outside of giving you know Paul and Booker the mid range jumpers they like so much, and, and at least trying to make their lives difficult a little bit there. The Suns were missing threes. The Wolves were contesting threes. They were clogging the paint. They were defensive rebounding. Not a ton of second chance points early in this game for Phoenix. Um, so. All that was good to start the game. And then you get into the second half and the Wolves were within, I think, seven at halftime. Uh, yeah, seven-point game at halftime. And then the third quarter starts off with Phoenix just taking it to the Timberwolves. That third quarter, again, the third quarter malaise is what we're going to call it, I think, moving forward. It absolutely set it. And the Suns got open three after open three after dunk after dunk. And the defense that was so tight in the first half was just suddenly extremely lackadaisical. Um, and then eventually, that gives way to the my turn, your turn offense that has been such a major issue for the Wolves at times this season. Well, really, for most of the season to this point. And that was a big part of the downfall. At least what gave Phoenix that 18-point lead. Um, Anthony Edwards, again, the biggest culprit. D'Angelo Russell, uh, we'll talk about turnovers here in a little bit. I mean, he was part of the problem as well. And then eventually there was some defensive selfishness as well. Some gambling on defense, um, you know, trying to trying to hit the home run, trying to make the big play, spark the fast break the other way. Again, good intentions, but getting out of position, not playing within the scheme and ultimately hurting the Wolves. And, and as the Wolves, they did get to within two at one point even. And that was mostly... Anthony Edwards hit a couple of consecutive, you know, big time three pointers and the defense was solid. Then all of a sudden the Suns put their starters back in the game. I mean, that run was mostly against the Suns bench. It was Timberwolves, uh, a mix of Timberwolves starters and reserves against a, a, a five man unit of only Suns bench players. Chris Paul comes back in the game and the drop coverage gets sliced and it gets diced and the Suns are getting open threes and, and Chris Paul's doing whatever he wants against the Wolves perimeter defense and, and, and slicing into the teeth of the Wolves defense, driving and kicking, getting his own shot where he wants it. And that was basically it. I mean, I mean, it was a two point game and then, you know, sandwiched in there were a couple of really bad Wolves possessions and Anthony Edwards isolation. That was the first offensive possession after a timeout. I can guarantee you that's not what Chris Finch, Chris Finch wanted out of that possession. Two possessions after that, a Jalen Newell isolation possession. And every time down the floor, that those four possessions consecutively, the Suns scored. It was Suns score, anti-isolation, Suns score, Timberwolves score, Suns score, Jalen Noel isolation, and don't score, Suns score again. Um, so that right there, I think it was a nine to 
to Phoenix run because of those isolation issues um, or, or this, I guess, devolving into the take turn offense, which the Wolves do far too often. Chris Finch wants the ball to move from side to side. He wants to run offense through Carl Anthony Towns. He wants to run some pick and roll, you know, controlled actions within, you know, if they can't get out in transition to run, the half court offense should be, you know, fairly simple. Remember, Chris Finch is putting up guardrails. He's not calling plays like like Flip Saunders or Ryan Saunders does where there's complex actions. He's mostly calling pretty typical play sets that are asking his players to read and react. And for whatever reason, they keep devolving into this, you know, isolation offense far too often. This team has far too much talent and players that have the athleticism and the skill to do so many things. It's just isolation of basketball is not the solution for this team. All right, uh, and 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 that and that's really what happened at the end of the game. I mean, I mean that was uh, the the Suns did what the Wolves couldn't. They they took advantage of some some sloppy defense, and the Suns' defense wasn't great for a lot of this game either. The Wolves just shot themselves in the foot. We'll talk about turnovers next. Trust me, we're going to get to that. I want to talk turnovers, fast break points, talk Timberwolves bench rotation, and we'll get to individual studs and duds. That's all upcoming here next. First, though, let's talk about our title sponsors of today's show. And that is, of course, our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every single game. Uh, big weekend in football coming up. We're about halfway through the NFL season. Thursday night game tomorrow for the NFL. College football this weekend. Week, what are we in? Week nine of the NFL. So yeah, just uh, right at the halfway point. Uh, this weekend as well. So BetOnline is the place you need to go for that. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, golf, NHL, you name it, they've got it. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Once again, thanks for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen today. For your second listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports Today available on this app that you're listening to right now, plus YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, additional takeaways from this game. Let's talk turnovers. So the Wolves have been so good at forcing turnovers defensively over the past year, really since Chris Finch became the coach in Minnesota. Uh, TNT mentioned this a couple of times. The Wolves had 85 consecutive games with 10 or more turnovers forced defensively. So that dates back to the first part of last season. By far the longest streak in the league, I think Phoenix was actually second, and they had 35 straight games. So 50 more games than the next, you know, the team that had the next most consecutive games with 10 plus forced turnovers. Phoenix only committed two turnovers in the first half. They committed seven in the second, so nine for the game, which meant the Wolves had limited fast break opportunities for themselves. They only scored six fast break points in this game. The Timberwolves, who were number one in the league in pace last year, number four in the league this year coming into this game against Phoenix, had six fast break points. Not a recipe to win against a really good defensive team 
especially if your half court offense is struggling so much. I talked about this earlier, or I guess it was on the live postcast. I talked about this, like for a team whose half court offense is so bad, transition opportunities are extremely important. And if you're not getting stops on defense, you're going to get less transition opportunities. If you're not getting out in transition and running, if you're not forcing turnovers, you're not getting out in transition and running, you're losing the opportunity for easy spot up threes in transition for trail threes, for corner threes that are going to be wide open for easy buckets, uh, for drawing fouls, for getting the other team in the penalty, um, for getting to the free throw line more often. Uh, All those things are connected. And it's one of the reasons the Wolves last year were unexpectedly so good on defense is they generated so many fast break opportunities based on turnovers. They were blitzing and playing high wall coverage on the perimeters. Jared Vanderbilt, Patrick Beverly, Anthony Edwards, Jade McDaniels, these guys were jumping passing lanes. They were pickpocketing opposing ball handlers. They were getting out and running uh, in the open floor and creating these opportunities. We have not seen that to this point in the season. Opponent turnover rate has been much, the turnover rate has been lower. The Timberwolves have been worse this year in generating those turnovers. Phoenix only had nine in this game. And conversely, to make matters far, far worse, the Wolves committed 16 turnovers themselves, which is just an astronomical number. And there were a couple of really main culprits here. Carl Anthony Towns had four. D'Angelo Russell had four. Ant had three. Cat um, had a couple early. Second half, it was more D'Lo and Ant that were really hurting the Wolves with those turnovers. Um, D'Lo had a couple in transition that were bad. Ant had at least one in transition that was really bad. And I mean, that that was a major killer in this game. It led Phoenix, who likes to play fast. They played faster last year than they have so far this year. It gave them some open floor opportunities. It gave Chris Paul the chance to to push tempo. And of course, it robbed the Wolves of scoring chances of their own when they turn the ball over. That's a given. Um, but that was a major issue in this one for Minnesota. And, and I would say, if I had to like pick a box score stat, you know, if I if I'm not just talking about the offensive flow and then the defensive breakdowns in the fourth, third and fourth quarter for the Wolves as the main issues like I already did, then I'd point to turnovers. Losing that battle, committing 16 and only forcing nine and losing the fast break points battle. I think Phoenix had 16 fast break points and again, the Wolves only had six. That's a, a huge issue. Um, and yeah, I mean, Phoenix made four more threes. They made, uh, actually the Wolves got to the line a couple more times than Phoenix did. Phoenix shot the ball a little bit better from the floor. But it was similar numbers, right? 43% to 46% from the floor, 38 to 39% from three. Um, 20 made free throws to 17. The Wolves had the edge. The bigger issues, the turnovers, the easy scoring opportunities for Phoenix that Minnesota just did not get in this game. It's a major issue. Uh, Rotation-wise, the Timberwolves did some interesting things. Um, And there there was a moment, I think it was actually the... It was after, well, D'Angelo Russell picked up a third foul in the second quarter. So Jordan McLaughlin finished the quarter at point. And then in the third quarter, D'Angelo Russell got pulled in favor of Jalen Noel fairly early. Noel played some point. Noel didn't play well in that stint and was removed for Jordan McLaughlin. And then eventually Noel came back and played with McLaughlin. We also saw in the second quarter, D'Lo and McLaughlin play extended minutes next to one another. We saw a lot of Nas Reed at the four. He got to play 16 minutes in this game. Um, Chris Finch really trying to push some different buttons, pull some different levers, be creative in terms of his rotation. I talked about that a little bit on Tuesday's show. I was curious to see if that would um, come to fruition in this game or moving forward. And it absolutely did. Austin Rivers and Bryn Forbes were both suited up, ready to play, and neither one of them played. This was a 10-man rotation with McLaughlin and Noel each playing 22 minutes off the bench. 
Prince playing 17, Reed 16, and Kyle Anderson only played 14 minutes. I guess it was only his second game back from um, from the uh, from the back spasms, and he was questionable to play anyway. So still easing him back in to be sure, but I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, part of this was, I mean, Jade McDaniels was in foul trouble. So he had, he had five fouls in this game. He was pulled early in the third quarter with foul trouble. Kyle Anderson came in at that point, but ultimately that led to more minutes at the four for Nas Reed. And that's, that's where the minutes came from. Kyle Anderson played less because Nas Reed played more. Torian Prince played a little bit less because Nas Reed played more. I mean, all those guys have played the four at one point or another. Um, but I, I thought the McLaughlin, I'd be interested to see what the actual plus minus looks like from the stint, but McLaughlin and, and D'Lo together was actually not terrible for a short stretch of the second quarter. So um, interesting to see if that's something that, and and by the way, the rest of that lineup, Jalen Well was at the three, which is, doesn't happen often. Torian Prince was at the four and uh, Nas was at the five. So a very small lineup for Minnesota, but mostly effective for, again, short bursts. And, and in this case, in the second quarter of this game, I thought it was pretty effective. Okay. Um, oh, one last takeaway. Jalen Noel, we'll talk about him in studs and duds. Actually, maybe we won't. I don't know that he's actually a dud from this game, but bigger picture, we have to talk about his shot selection. We have to talk about him forcing matters. Up until this point, I've unapologetically said, like, Jalen Noel's just got to go for it. He's a he's a true, you know, pure-blooded scorer. Um, and, you know, he can score at all three levels. He can score at anybody. That All that's true. But he's got to pick his spots. Uh, I get a team best plus minus in this game for whatever that's worth a plus 14. He had four assists, only one turnover tied for second on the team and assists, but he was four of 13 shooting. He only attempted one three and he go, only got to the line three times. He shot a lot of mid range jumpers, uh, perhaps was inspired by Chris Paul, Devin Booker. I don't know. Um, and I know Jalen likes mid range jumpers and he's good at them, but in this game, he was just a little too shot happy. He was being asked to initiate offense to be the straw that serves the drink. And he was not that Enough, and not that to the level at which I think Chris Finch was expecting. Um, so Jalen always got to pick his spots a little bit better. Be careful about the whole like, hey, I'm the sixth man. I got to score. You know, not every sixth man is Jamal Crawford. Um, not every sixth man is, uh, you know, I don't know, insert Tyler Hero, right? Jalen Noel is kind of his own version of all of these things. And sometimes that means he's got to pass the ball a little bit more. And this was one of those games, especially when his shot wasn't really going for him, Um he got to play some minutes with Cat. He got to play some minutes with Rudy. He's got to initiate. He's got to, again, be the straw that stirs the drink a little bit more often and, and you know, with, with some more frequency. And, and unfortunately, he was not in this game. Okay, let's close today's show by doing individual studs and duds. So we're going to do that here next. All right, individual studs and duds from Wolf Suns. Um, number one stud for me for the Timberwolves has to be Nas Reed. 16 minutes, 13 points, three rebounds, five of six shooting from the floor, one of two from the three-point line, two of two at the free throw line. He had uh, a couple of really impressive uh, kind of touch hook shots in the paint. He had the one crossover, the way he got to the free throw line, his one his one trip was first half. He was kind of like on the top of the key, a little bit to the right right side of the paint or excuse me, on the right wing outside the arc, had just a nasty crossover, put it between his legs, went to his left hand, got to the rim, was fouled, made both free throws. He hit an open three at one point. 
I think his last basket or second to last basket was just a fantastic drop step. It was just kind of a whirling dervish spin move into a back down, into a drop step on the left side of the hoop, a tough basket. Um, the footwork for Nas has always been there. The touch has always been there. It's been a feel thing. It's been a, a decision-making thing where Nas needs to get his opportunities. He's got to get into a rhythm and he's got to make quick decisions. And we have not seen that from him for much of his career, still very young career. But, and also defensively, it's it's been an issue at times throughout his career. But in this particular game, and, and really going back to the preseason, Nas has made those decisions much quicker offensively, and he's held his own on defense. Three rebounds in 16 minutes, you can handle that. One steal, no turnovers for Nas in this game. He was second best on the team with a plus 10, plus minus. So 13-3 and a steal, five of six shooting, one of two outside the arc. Again, the decisiveness with which Nas is playing, the confidence with which he's playing is massive. And and I, he's been fantastic. And I, I will happily eat my crow if this keeps up. I talked preseason, uh, actually during the offseason, I talked about the Wolves trading him, hopefully for a couple of second rounders. That looks absolutely foolish right now. I mean, I'll, I'll admit that all day long. I may very well turn out to be dead wrong about that. My thought process was like, hey, Nate Knight could do some of those same things as Nas. Nas struggles to rebound. The Wolves need rebounders. Nas struggles defensively. The Wolves need defensive bigs. Um, I didn't think he would get enough minutes and could be worth more to a team that could give him more playing time and potentially then extend him. The Wolves, it's been reported by Darren Wolfson at KCP uh, in the Twin Cities. The Wolves are in extension talks with Nas and they're more likely to get something done with Reed than they are with with um, Jalen Noel at this juncture. So, um I don't know. I hope I, I hope I was wrong. To this point, it certainly looks like I was. Nas has been fantastic, and, and this you know this game against Phoenix was no exception. Um, another stud for me in this game, game Carl Anthony Towns. I know he committed four turnovers. I know he committed four fouls. A couple of them silly. That's always the case. But twenty four ten and seven, really good in the first quarter. He had three assists. Should have had more in the first quarter. Um, the he started the game one for seven. That means he finished the game eight for eleven. He made eight of his last eleven shots. Three of seven outside the arc. He scored a couple buckets in kind of pseudo garbage time. I'll admit that. Um, but even still, he was very, very good early in the game. He was okay defensively. Um, I didn't actually get to this in my takeaways. I talked about this on the postcast, actually. If you go back and listen to the live postcast, which is if you're listening to this on the regular Lockdown Wolves audio feed, it's it's the 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 episode right before this. I talked I touched on a lot of the stuff I've already talked about, but I also spent a little bit at the end of the show talking about defensively, the Suns making Towns fight through screens. Instead of just going straight five out and trying to isolate Towns defensively, making him work, making him get through screens. I think part of that was probably like, hey, can we get him in foul trouble with him running guys over? Can we, you know, and also to make a 6'11 guy fight through screens is a really difficult thing to do. Um, And Towns is actually better than a lot of people give him credit for in terms of defending in space on the perimeter. But, uh, you know, I'd much rather him be in space on the perimeter than backpedaling in a drop coverage, right? And apparently, then I'd rather have him defending in space on the perimeter than trying to fight through a screen because the Suns ran him off, ran him around and threw screens over and over and over. Uh, and I thought Towns played hard and, and, and put forth a good effort there. 24-10-7 is nothing to sneeze at. This was a good game from Cap. Uh, third stud for me is going to have to be Jordan McLaughlin. Um and, you know, he was good in 22 minutes, nine points, three assists, two rebounds, uh, no assists, which is typical for J-Mac, four of eight shooting, one of four on threes. He had a big three-pointer from the corner when the Wolves were still hanging around, but he did actually airball, kind of barely graze iron maybe on a couple of his other misses. So there were 
a couple of rough misses in there, but was the steady hand once again, stepped up when D'Angelo Russell was in early foul trouble. And then in the second half when D'Lo was just generally struggling, um, J-Mac did a good job stepping in, which brings me to my to duds for today. D'Angelo Russell once again is on the duds list. Uh, team worst minus 20 in the plus minus, five points, four assists, four rebounds, four turnovers. So four assists to four turnovers. That's not a good ratio. Uh, two of eight shooting, one of three on threes, did not get to the free throw line. The 23 minutes are in part because he was in foul trouble early in the game, but he was yanked in the third quarter, pulled again. He came in in the fourth after J-Mac had a rough stretch, and then Dela was pulled again with with three or so minutes to play with the Wolves down by just three possessions. A bad game from D'Angelo Russell. I mean, we're there again. I I, I don't know. Um, this is just a rough game, and, and maybe I need to do more of a full show kind of breaking down what his biggest issues are. But this was just not a good performance from D'Lo. And it's tough. I mean, when you have an undrafted, you know, J-Mac's great. But, uh, you know, D'Lo's the max contract guy. J-Mac's the undrafted guy who was on a two-way deal consecutive seasons. And uh, he's been playing better than D'Angelo Russell this year, hands down. There's no question about it. Um, Another dud for this game. I don't know. I don't really want to give out another. I, Jalen Noel did enough things. Rudy Gobert was not great. Uh, let's. I'm not going to give another dud. We'll leave it at. We'll leave it at D'Lo. Um, well, actually, no. I'll give one to J- Jade McDaniel's. Jade McDaniel's had five fouls and three turnovers in 17 minutes in this game. He was barely on the floor because of foul trouble. The Wolves gave him a really difficult task. They asked him to guard Chris Paul and put Anthony Edwards on Devin Booker. And I actually thought Ant did pretty well on Booker. Booker ended up with 18 points and 18 shots. And and uh, you know. I thought that a lot of that was due to Ant. I mean, he was in his grill playing good de- defense. McDaniels had a tough assignment, uh, certainly. But five fouls and three turnovers in 17 minutes, not great. Uh, and did not contribute offensively at all either. Five, Four points on five shots in those 17 minutes. Um, I do want to note, Rudy Gobert played 32 minutes in this game and only had one shot attempt. He was fouled a bunch of times, got seven free throws. And weirdly enough, made all seven free throws. So he had seven points, nine rebounds. All seven of his points came with the charity stripe. Three assists and a block in this game for Rudy. It was not his best game in a Wolves uniform. I I think he played better than he did Sunday overall. Uh, But his impact was somewhat marginalized in this game. And, uh, you know, the Wolves, yes, they, they beat the Suns in terms of points in the paint. Um, They rebounded. They were plus eight in rebounding category. Great. But the Suns made so many mid-range jumpers, they shot almost 40% from three that it didn't ultimately matter. Um, they were just killed by these open threes from Cam Johnson and by Chris Paul slicing and dicing the, the drop coverage in the fourth quarter. And uh, I mean, that was kind of that was kind of it. All right. Rest of the week, we'll have a, a show Thursday, a regular show Thursday. Friday, part of Friday show, will be previewing um, Wednesday. Today's Wednesday show. Okay. So yeah. So then Friday show will be in part previewing the Milwaukee Bucks game Friday night. Um, and then we'll do the live postcast with Marnie Gellner from Valley Sports North following Wolves Bucks on Friday and then be back to a regular schedule again next week. So that's the plan for the rest of the week. A big thank you to those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. It's absolutely greatly appreciated. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon. You can download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app and please do on Roku or Amazon Fire TV and listen or I guess watch all of your favorite Lockdown Minnesota podcasts, including this one. Of course, Lockdown Wolves is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. The Lockdown Podcast Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. 
Reminder that for your next listen, you can check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.